0: Doesn't matter if you love him
1: or capital
2: H-I-M-A-M-A-M-A-M-A-M-A-M. Just put your
1: paws because
2: you were born this way, baby.
1: You are listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm your host, Andy Otto, the executive director of Twin Cities Pride. And I want to welcome you to the show where we're talking about all things Twin Cities Pride, Current LGBTQIA topics and living our most authentic queer life here in Minnesota. I am joined today by my co host and assistant of everything, <laughs> Rena Heisel. Good, good afternoon, Rena. How are Hello.
2: you? Oh, I am very well. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. I am very excited to be here today and for this show because we're going to be talking legislative preview. Um, With the Minnesota legislative session just a few weeks out, we thought it would be great to talk to Kat Rome from Outfront Minnesota, the executive director of Outfront, I might add. Um, Outfront is certainly one of the state's most recognizable LGBTQ plus IA organizations uh, in the state, and um, probably one of the best resources for people to reach out to for information.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Kat, thanks so much for being here today. Um, before we dive too far into the work, um, that you do, can you give us a little bit of history about Upfront and Outfront's mission and all that for those that maybe don't know? For sure. Thank you for having me on and glad
0: to be here. Um, Outfront Minnesota, for those who aren't familiar, is our state's largest LGBTQ advocacy organization. Um, We've been around in various names and forms uh, since 1987. So it's a long, long standing organization in the community, and we've done a lot of work over the years that have Touch the lives of Minnesotans in various different forms. We do work um, certainly at the state capitol in terms of policy and legislation as well as municipal government. Um, we do work in K through 12 schools. So we support GSAs and we work with administrators, teachers, others to help train folks and to help implement gender inclusive policies and LGBTQ policy at a school level. And then we have a longstanding anti-violence program that helps respond to victims of violence and discrimination in community. So do a lot of work in a lot of different frames. I like to talk about it as kind of trying to hit um, every one of the aspects that hit our lives, you know, from policy to culture, to that sort of direct service experience that folks may sometimes need in community.
1: Yeah, you have an anti-violence hotline. Yep. That's available on your website for people to dial in who maybe are a little afraid to report or do things like that. And they can call in and, and chat with you all. Yeah,
0: yeah. And get resources or get connected Mm -hmm. to other community organizations who are doing this work. Um, Yeah, we we see ourselves as being a resource for anybody within Minnesota's LGBTQ community and, you know, serve the full state.
1: For sure. So to to back a little bit up, you are, like me, newer to the role. (laughs) I don't know what made us jump into these roles, but here we are. So... You came, you're a little over a year, if I remember correctly. So yep. what's what's your background? Where did you come from?
0: Yeah, so I grew up in Minnesota. Um, I lived in Northfield as a kid, so spent a lot of my childhood in Minnesota and then moved down to Iowa and then came back home to Minnesota. And I professionally was doing fundraising before I got into this job and had done fundraising and higher education for like 12 years before I stepped into the role at Outfront. And, you know, what I like to tell people, like, nobody gets into fundraising on purpose. It's, you know, usually <laughs> that like- <is> so true. <laughs> somebody's like, we need somebody to do this. And it mm-hmm. turned out that I was okay at it. And unfortunately yeah. or fortunately, if you're an executive director at a nonprofit, you have to do a lot of fundraising as mm-hmm. you well know. Yep. And so, you know, it's a, it's a really nice fit. But for me, like, I had not applied for a job in six years. This job was open like the posting was closing the Friday. I had a boss who was leaving who announced that on a Tuesday and I was like, "I'll apply for this and nothing <laughs> else." Um because it was the right job for me. It was what I knew I wanted to do. I always wanted to be in a leadership role within an organization that had a mission that really aligned with my values and like this was perfect and the timing was perfect and I took a leap, and here we are. So I've been in this role since May of 22.
1: Yeah, and I give you so many props for, I mean, you have to deal with all this political stuff, which I cannot stand. (laughs) Um, So I'm super glad that you do it, and I don't have to. Um, While I have to pay attention, like, that's going to wear on your mental health.
0: Yeah, you know, I think, you know, politics, uh, you know, like I shared, I think for me, like... I've always had to pay attention to politics as a trans person, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reality is when you make it your work, then you're just in it as your job and you can clock out at the end of the day in a different way and say, yeah, I did my part. I'm engaged in this. Um, For me, it's always been something that I've been involved in. And so being able to step into it in a professional role gives me a chance to leverage my knowledge about it and my passion for it to hopefully do some good for folks and advance things here in Minnesota, but I think, you know, balance is important and politics is a grind and it's tough and we're in a really tough national landscape. And so, you know, it's important to give yourself some permission to step back sometimes, whether you're in a role like ours or whether you're just a member of the community and remind yourself that, like, our lives aren't defined by legislation and. Mm-hmm. Um, It's important, it's vital, we have to be engaged in it, but there's so many other aspects to our lives in our community that are outside of that space. So take a break, step back, there will always be work there.
1: For sure. And you know, to point out to those that are listening that are maybe trans or trans youth, there are two trans leaders in this room right now. And I think that's important to point out because that hasn't always been the case. We've had to fight our way kind of into those positions and you know it just to me it shows how much the community needs to grow and continue to grow and we give a little bit of different perspective than some other folks.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you know it's it's noteworthy. And I was at a gathering of national leaders, um, sort of tail end of last year, and folks were reflecting on the composition of the room and the number of BIPOC leaders, the number of trans leaders mm-hmm. who are sitting in movement spaces in the LGBTQ movement and other progressive movements, is a total sea change from even five to ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, while representation alone doesn't change anything, representation is a step towards bringing in greater perspectives. You know, just like we had a historically diverse legislature um, this last year that was elected, when you have leadership that represents a broader spectrum of what the community is and what community experiences are, you're going to have more reflective leadership decisions. And so... Yeah, it's yeah. amazing to be able to have a shared peer. I mean, I don't know how many of my peers have another trans leader at a significant organization in their communities, but we're really fortunate here in Minnesota to have really great trans leadership at two fantastic orgs <laughs> and in a couple other spaces as well. Uh,
1: yes. two, two of the largest orgs here in Minnesota. Um, you know, and, and that's a, a note to make, too, before we hop onto a break, but... You know, it's not just about having trans and BIPOC folks at the table. They need a voice at the table. And so for those of you who are in leadership out there, you know, make sure that not only those people are at the table, but they have a voice at the table. Um, They have really impactful things to say and are so beyond just amazing humans that we need to make sure that everybody has representation at the table. And that means a voice too, not just a chair. So,
2: 100%.
1: Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, but stay listening because when we come back, we're going to talk about what to expect in the 2024 legislative session here in Minnesota and even, unfortunately, countrywide. From <laughs> Outfront's executive director, Kat Rohn, you're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Peace and control your
2: urges to scream about all the people you hate back and you're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950. I'm your co-host, Rena Heisel. I am here with my boss and my friend, Andy Otto, Executive Director of Twin Cities Pride. And our guest today is Kat Rome from Outfront Minnesota. And we are talking LGBTQ advocacy and the Minnesota legislative session.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm thinking before we dive into the chaos of 2024, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get there got your first year um as executive director for Outfront 2023
2: like you're applying you, for the job yeah did
1: you think that this this was going to happen? I mean...
0: No. I mean, I don't think anybody expected... 2023 was a remarkable year for the Minnesota legislature in terms of advancing progressive legislation across a whole host of issues. I mean, I have, Mm -hmm. like, a spreadsheet of, like, 120 bills that I'm like, all of these had a tremendous impact on different communities all across the state, from, you know, free meals for kids to Mm -hmm. driver's licenses for all to, you know, paid sick like, all of yeah. these things that touch different aspects of our lives. And I think, you know, even for those of us who do this work, like, I was, like, running through the summer and fall, like, discovering bills that had passed that I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool, too. Right. Right. Um, But, you know, for the LGBTQ community specifically, you know, I think there were about a dozen sort of core bills that we were really focused most closely on. And, you know, most significant amongst them, the Trans Refuge Bill and the ban on conversion therapy here in the state of Minnesota. Um, Both, I think, you know, conversion therapy has been like a decade long project for advocates and to be able to have the votes to get it passed with bipartisan support support in both chambers was really just a tremendous testament to the work and stories that have been shared by folks over the years. Um, but I think none of us expected what we accomplished, but I think it it speaks volumes to the level of organizing and readiness that we had going into session. Mm-hmm. And we're coming into 2024 with the same legislature, with, you know, the same organizers. So we're hoping to get a lot accomplished.
1: Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about the trans refuge bill. I mean, I can talk to it on a really yeah. plain level, but you have much more intel on that than I do.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think really as we were seeing things around the country and especially, you know, a few states had already passed some of these bans on gender affirming care for youth. Um, and then, you know, last year we saw, you know, 20 more states added to that list. Um we knew that we needed some kind of response in Minnesota. And so, you know, the trans refuge bill was really modeled around a lot of legislation that's been done around abortion access of protecting folks who are seeking care from other states. And so the goal of the trans refuge bill is really to give assurances to providers that yes, you can continue to provide care to folks both within Minnesota, but also folks who are coming to Minnesota from these other states that have banned this care. Um, and it's to give assurances to folks who are coming from other states like Iowa, North Dakota and South Dakota, where gender affirming care for youth is now banned, um, that if they come and seek care here, that Minnesota will protect them and that they'll be safe receiving care here. And I think, you know, we set it up knowing that people hopefully wouldn't weaponize these bills against folks traveling. Um, Mm -hmm. But just at the tail end of this year, um, we received word that Attorney General Ken Paxton out of the state of Texas had sent letters to hospitals um, in multiple states, including the state of Washington, um, instigating investigations into folks providing care for folks from Texas. And so the reality is that our decision to advance that bill um, was really necessary and important to making sure that folks have access to care. And, you know, especially with our neighbors, um, with the exception, thankfully, of Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. um, having all passed their bills, um, we're looking at a landscape that looks dramatically different than it did even in 2022.
1: Yeah, because North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa all have bills (laughs) against that. And, I mean, I, you know, I've been in Minnesota, I've lived in a couple other states, but I've been in Minnesota my almost my whole entire life. And it's not something I've ever had to worry about. You know, we've always had great health care here. Um, I lived in New Mexico at one point, which has terrible health Sorry, New Mexico, but you do. Um, and I wasn't used to that. And you come up here and you are from I cannot imagine living in a state like Texas where I have to worry about like my personal HIPAA information being shared with An attorney general. Like, that is absolutely insane to me.
2: We've had people, in fact, stop by our offices. Just, they're in town. They stop by Twin Cities Pride just to see what's going on. And then you talk to them for five minutes and then they open up, Well, I really, I'm up here from Texas. My mom and I are just checking out the state. And then they let you know the whole story. Well, we're actually up here. We're thinking about moving up here because um, we can't get the care that we need. And things are getting a little scary. With doctors having to report and mm-hmm. um, there was a young person that came into our office just this last summer and the story was absolutely heartbreaking because it is uprooting everything, their life, cutting off from friends,
1: mm-hmm. coming
2: up here to just scope out what Minnesota's all about. Yeah. I mean, the impact of this bill is just, I, I, until you start talking, I think to a lot of people that it affects, you realize, oh my gosh, thank goodness this got done when it got done. Yeah.
0: yeah, and major props to Representative Lee Finke, um, mm-hmm. who authored it, and Senator Aaron Makewaid who carried it on the Senate side, and to our governor and lieutenant governor, who, you know, signed an executive order ahead of the bill's passage and really helped to shepherd it through the process. Um, it was a collective effort, and mm-hmm. I'm glad we got it done. I think, you know, there's still a lot of work to do here in Minnesota, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, the reality is that, you know, it's only going to be more necessary this year.
1: For sure. So thinking about this year and looking ahead, what is out front going to tackle this year? What do you think we need to tackle this year, you know, even locally or federally? I mean, I know there's a big, big hail to climb. <laughs>
0: yeah. So I think there's kind of multiple layers. Here in Minnesota, I think we're focused on kind of two things broadly. One is uh, kind of continuing the work around gender-affirming care here in the state. I think one of the things that we knew well going into 2023, but, you know, passing the trans refuge bill only makes the need more pressing, is to say, like, we've promised folks that Minnesota will be a place where you can get care and can take care of you. We actually need to continue to deliver on that promise, both Mm -hmm. for folks from out of state and for folks in state who have had to deal with long wait times. And, you know, especially if you live in greater Minnesota, it's still a big challenge to find competent providers to get access to care. Um, mm. So we're going to do a couple pushes around a few different bills that will touch on that, hopefully expand some um, and clarify some health insurance coverage for folks, mm. um, as well as just you know trying to more broadly get funding out to get doctors trained in and things like that. Um, so we're going to do a couple bills that touch on that. The other big area of law that Minnesota hasn't done a lot of updates to since um, marriage equality passed in 2013 here in the state, um, is family law. And so we're going to be working with the speaker and a number of folks to do some updates to family law here in the state of Minnesota, we hope, um, that will help to clarify language in our you know family law that will make it more inclusive for folks and will hopefully help to close a couple loopholes that can really be challenging to LGBTQ folks who are starting families or have families. Um, our goal is to make sure that everybody who has a family in Minnesota or chooses to start a family here in Minnesota has the same experience, equity across the board. And I think, you know, for LGBTQ community members, family can be really important. And our families may not look the same as everybody else's. um, But it's really important that our government, especially here in the state, does everything it can to make that process smooth and easy and, you know, equitable for folks.
1: Would that potentially eliminate the need for second parent adoption?
0: That's one of the pieces we're looking at. So, you know, again, there's a whole suite of different pieces that'll fall into this, but we really want to highlight the importance of families within kind of our legislative story. And, you know, I think that's just a really important piece to talk about. Um, And it it helps to continue to humanize LGBTQ experiences for folks who are less familiar with us.
1: Yeah. I mean, we still have to change the diapers. We still have to pay the tuition. <laughs> we still have to put them in sports. Like, right. we are no different. <laughs> I the... know you have cats, or kids too, cats. <laughs> <Yes>. So
2: <laughs> For the allies that are listening, could you expand a little bit on what some of those challenges are?
0: Yeah, so a lot of it just comes down to how Minnesota law treats um, folks, particularly um, same-sex couples who, you know, Maybe one uh, parent is carrying the child, and the other one is not recognized um, through, you know, sort of the current legal recognition mm-hmm. system. And then because of how it works, there's some ambiguity here in Minnesota. So a lot of folks will go through a second parent adoption to make sure that their legal rights are recognized um, in case anything changes or in case they leave the state and other states are looking at this differently. And so trying to close that loophole to make sure that Minnesota law clearly recognizes both parents in those cases. Um, And, you know, a number of just language changes and, you know, things like that, that um, while on paper, you know, marriage equality made all of these things equitable for folks regardless of sex, it's important that the actual language in our laws reflects the realities of folks. And so, you know, there'll be a series of updates. A lot of them, I like to call it kind of boring law because it's not like flashy or huge, but it's the kind of thing that when it comes up for you in your life, can make a huge difference on whether this is an easy process mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or whether this is a hurdle or something that feels uncomfortable. And okay. those laws can have a big impact on people's day-to-day lives.
2: Uh, is e- Minnesota kind of like a leader on this, or do we have any other states to look at as, okay, this is how Washington handled it, or this is how California handled it, or, or are we kind of setting some precedent?
0: Um, I always like to talk about Minnesota being a leader because (laughs) one, we are, I mean, especially when you go back to something like the Minnesota Human Rights Act, which was the first um, in the country to include LGBTQ people fully within that, not Mm -hmm. just gays and lesbians. Um, But, you know, I think in the family law space, you know, Minnesota was one of the first states to pass marriage equality through a legislative process rather than through a court challenge. Mm -hmm. And while it was a lot of work and challenging, like, that changed the trajectory of how we look at our laws in a different way than some of the other states that had to contend with it, either after a court ruling or after Obergefell. Um, and so I think, you know, for Minnesota, we've been on the leading edge of a lot of these things. We may not always be the first state to have passed a particular law, um, but sometimes we have the best of the first couple of laws that pass. Right. That's right. Because right. we have people like you going <laughs> after them and understanding
1: it all. Exactly. For sure. So all right. Now we got to get into the nitty-gritty, and I'm sorry for this, but let's look at 2024. Yeah. Um nationally, nationally because I think right? that that scares a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it and and the uncertainty of, you know, voting and looking at that and why it's so important and even for our allies, you know, when I talk to m- my parents about you know voting and things like that it's different for our community than it is for someone who is heterosexual right like 100%. it's different so i mean what can, what can you tell our listeners about what they should be looking out for and what they need to be doing
0: Yeah. So in 2023, we had, depending on how you count things, over 600 bills that were introduced across the country that were anti-LGBTQ. Many of them focused on gender-affirming care, on schools, on books, on all sorts of things. Of those, 88 passed. Um, And that's a lot, but it also means that we defeated as a movement over 500 of those bills, which is tremendous, especially in states. It is important
2: to stay positive. Yes, absolutely. That's very positive. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And I think what we're going to see in 2024, and Ohio's really a preview of this. um, For those who aren't familiar, Ohio had passed a gender-affirming care ban uh, for youth at the tail end of the year. The governor vetoed it. um, But then uh, this last week... um, basically introduced a set of proposed rules that would put a whole bunch of barriers and restrictions on how all folks, not just youth, but adults and youth access gender affirming care in the state of Ohio. Um, We've seen it before in a couple other states. Florida's done some work around it. Um, Missouri attempted to do some stuff. I, I suspect that we're going to see more of that. So I think what we're going to see in 2024 is states that have passed gender-affirming care bans for youth either pursuing legislation to expand that mandate or using attorney general or executive orders to attempt to enforce greater restrictions. This is very similar to what we saw in the abortion, anti-abortion movement during the mm-hmm. 1990s, um, as governments just tried different techniques, basically with the goal of just shutting down every single provider within the state. Um, if you make it harder and harder for folks who are providing the care, eventually they will close down and leave, even if it's not outright illegal. And I think that's where we're seeing the anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ movement, is for just sure. trying to put enough barriers up that people will give up and... And, you know, just stop. And, you know, the reality is we've always existed. We'll (laughs) continue to exist. And the difference now is that we're visible in a way that's both drawing attention, but it's also giving us strength and solidarity. And I think about, you know, the folks in Ohio who have been fighting these bills year after year after year, um, who had tremendous wins on their abortion ballot measure um, this last fall and will continue to put in the work even in really difficult circumstances. And, you know, I think nationally the landscape's gonna be rough. The reality is that, mm-hmm. you know, the next couple of years are going to be tough for LGBTQ folks. We don't know what, you know, the federal elections will have in store mm-hmm. for us. Um, You know, it could be disastrous or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reality is the work that we're doing in Minnesota is going to be more and more important, both as anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ legislation passes in neighboring states and around the country, and we continue to be a place of refuge for folks. Um, But also, um, one of the things that I talk a lot about with my colleagues across the movement is how being a beacon of being able to pass good legislation and being able to create community and visibility and support at all levels, both You know, politically, but also on a community level, um, how that gives people hope in this space. And I think, you know, we're all feeling uncertain about 2024. I don't have great predictions, but I think when you have hope, you get engaged because you believe not just in your future, but in the future of the folks around you. And when you do that, you put in the work, you show up to things, you vote, you get engaged with folks, you show up at the Capitol, you show up at those community events, you gather people together for coffee, and you talk about these issues. And that's how this stuff moves forward. So you know, the biggest thing that I would say to folks is, yeah, it's going to be a rough landscape. So let's be realistic about it. But let's think about what we can do here in Minnesota. Um, It -hmm. won't solve everything, but we can do a lot of good work here. And we can build a lot of community and visibility for folks at a time when it's really necessary.
1: Yeah. And I think you brought up kind of a good point there that there are organizations like yours in, is it all states pretty much? I I mean, not
0: every single state, but most states have some counterpart to what we do or have other more informal LGBTQ orgs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you meet with them on a regular to find out what's going on. And, you know, I think I talked about this before. Collaboration between organizations makes us stronger. We are much better together than we are apart. That's,
2: we always hear the joke that Minnesota is the land of ten thousand nonprofits.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, and you know, and that. And
2: there's no sense reinventing the wheel. Out Front does a lot of things wonderfully.
1: A hundred percent. Twin Cities Pride,
2: yeah. we have events. We do some other things. We are starting more right. programming and creating more spaces for people to attend. You know, figuring out where we can all work together.
1: And I think. You know, it is, it's a testament to every year or every, gosh, I feel like every month, sometimes our world gets shifted on what our focus is. We could be completely going in one direction and it's like, "Er," you know, (laughs) you need to switch over (laughs) to this one. And, um, you know, it just, it's it's mind blowing to me. But the other thing is, you know, what can a person do? And I know um, voting is, is sometimes the simplest thing, um, as long as you have the, all, all the right documentation, all that fun stuff. But um, talk about that, like registering to vote. How do we do that? What is the best course of action?
0: Yeah, Minnesota is thankfully a really great state for voting in terms of registration. super easy. Like Mm -hmm. you can show up at the polls and somebody can vouch for you and you can vote that same day. Mm -hmm. That's not the case in every state. We've got mail voting. We've got all sorts of different things. Um, A number of the laws that were passed this last year will allow for like 16 and 17-year-olds to pre-register to vote. So we're really excited about getting folks like engaged in the process, even if they can't vote here in 2024. Like they'll be ready to go. That makes a huge difference in terms of our overall state engagement in the electoral process. But I talk about voting like brushing your teeth. Like it's necessary, but it's like a basic thing that we should all do, right? Like right, right. you know, take yeah. care of that. We're good to go. But right. like, did that really solve all your problems? No. It's it's just a thing. It's part of our sort of democratic hygiene. You still have to right? go to like, the dentist. Right? I like that. It's the democratic
1: hygiene.
2: <laughs> yes. Um it's the bare minimum.
0: Right. So you know, then I think about you know what does it mean to really get involved and be engaged in this work. And I think that's about reflecting on your own strengths in your own life and thinking about your connections. I always tell people the work is all around you, right? Like wherever that is, in your workplace, in your local community, at your school, um, you know, your place of worship, like, those are the first places you should be having conversations. Can you change policy? Can you convene a conversation around these issues for folks so that people are talking about them? Because um, visibility and understanding matter a lot in these spaces. And then it's about thinking about those ways to get involved. So, you know, following along with Outfront, um, we'll have throughout the legislative session opportunities for folks to show up at the Capitol or to contact their legislators to help advance some of this legislation. And I, I can't tell you, even as much as folks have been supporting. Of LGBTQ legislation here, how important it is for senators and representatives to get an email or a call from their constituents saying, This matters to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if they don't, they don't move this legislation forward. It's not just because I'm good at my job, it's because Mm -hmm. we can organize people across the state to call people and tell people that this matters. So get involved in that, get people registered to vote, get them out to vote. Um, And if you're somebody who's like, Maybe that could be me, run for office. Um, Yes. We elected a historically large queer caucus um, for the first time uh, this last uh, cycle. Fourteen members of our House and Senate identify as openly LGBTQ, which is tremendous. Yeah. Why not? had a few more. Um, and at exactly. a local level, we've had, you know, wins for LGBTQ folks, both within the Twin Cities Metro and Greater Minnesota. For the first time ever, we have a trans representative in a city council outside of the metro area, which is phenomenal. I know. Crazy. Um, so getting involved in all those spaces, if that's where you're at, and yeah. not everybody should or will want to run for office, but then thinking about, like, what can you do, whether that's, you know, organizing a local community pride or just having that kitchen table conversation with your friends and saying like, hey, are you hearing this stuff about you know these anti-trans bills across yeah. the country. How are you feeling about that? Um, because at the end of the day, that's how we start to make culture change happen is at that local level. Policy is one thing, and it's important, and it's what I do, um, but until we get to culture change, we're going to keep fighting these battles at the legislature.
1: 100%. So it's the easiest way for people to, to figure out maybe what they can do or what they need to do on your website, your social, what's the best way to go about it?
0: Any, all of the above. Sign up for the mailing list, yeah. um, and we'll send out updates throughout session. Our socials will be full of updates as bills start to move and session kicks off in February. So you got a month to sign up.
1: Hey, there you go. And it's outfront.org? Yep. Perfect. See? At least I remembered that correctly, right? <laughs> I, I do so many websites that sometimes it's out there. Um, and I I do want to point out that Outfront is a nonprofit, right? And and that's important to say because those of us that are nonprofits, sometimes I think folks forget that we depend on those donations, we depend on those sponsorships to keep the work going. And so, and I want to bring that up for you, is that, you know what, Outfront can't do this work without the donations and sponsorship. None of us can. And so, um, can they donate on your website if that's...
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I would just reiterate, like, LGBTQ causes have been historically underfunded um, by philanthropy. Here in Minnesota, we're really fortunate that folks... Are stepping up in lots of ways, but this is a time when clearly LGBTQ rights issues are under attack from multiple angles. And so, having the resources to be able to both do the work that we do at the legislature, but do that work throughout the state and in schools and responding to violence is really critical to making sure that Minnesota's LGBTQ community is getting the support it needs. Our helpline went from like 800 or so calls um, in 2022 to like more than two and a half times that this last year. Um, And that's in part because of just the national landscape and folks who were inquiring about, you know, coming to Minnesota to seek care. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's partly just because there's been this uptick in both rhetoric that's harmful to community acts of violence, unfortunately, but also, you know, just this sense of uncertainty that folks are feeling. And so I think honoring that and recognizing that this is really important work in this moment. And I hope someday that I can work myself out of a job here. But (laughs) the reality is for equity organizations, there's always going to be work to be done um, because people need to learn and hear about and engage with our community stories. And we need legislation and policy across the board that's going to reflect and protect our lives.
1: Yeah, my vision is that you and I work ourselves out of a job and we're, you know, chilling on a beach somewhere, <laughs> relaxing uh, during retirement. We'll see if that works. <laughs> but with that, i um, we're out of time already and need to take another break. So stay tuned, because when we come back, we'll talk um, ways that you, all of our listeners, um, to get involved and Yeah, there's lots of stuff to do. So you're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We are back and you are listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950. I am Andy Otto, Executive Director of Twin Cities Pride, along with my co-host, Rena Heisel, and we are jo- joined by Kat Rohn, Executive Director of the LGBTQIA advocacy organization out front.
2: Thank you, Kat, so much for being here with us today. Um, thank you so much for filling us in and all the work out front is doing. Um, you guys are doing tremendous work, um, exhausting work. And we've talked a little bit about how people can get involved, but um, are there any particular events or anything coming up that um, you might want to let people know about?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's important. There's lots of ways to get involved, whether you're in the Twin Cities area or around the state. But um, particularly as legislative session kicks off here in February, um, we'll be active and at the Capitol uh, for a lot of the spring here. Um, So we do have a number of events coming up. Um, So for folks who are interested in getting engaged um, in the work at the Capitol and at Mm -hmm. the legislature, we're going to be having our lobby day coming up in kind of the end of February. Um, So February 27th, which is a Tuesday. Hope to see you all at the Capitol. Um, But that's a great opportunity for folks to... kind of get up to speed on where legislation is at to engage with your legislative leaders, um, with state leaders um, to rally and help support and push forward some of the great um, bills that we hope to advance here um, this session. Um, We also have uh, our colleagues um, and partners who are doing work across the movement um, holding an HIV lobby day on the Hill on March 12th. Um, So that's a really great opportunity to get engaged around HIV AIDS legislation, things like access to pep and prep um, that we're hoping to continue to push for and you know, continuing to support the investments that have been made in supporting that work across our communities. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on March 13th, the day after that, we're going to be holding our youth summit. So if you have um, GSAs or schools that would love to be a part of that, we'll have some more info that will be going out on socials as well. Um, But that's a great opportunity um, for high schoolers and others to get engaged and um, start learning about work that's happening both at the Capitol and beyond and how they can bring that work into their GSAs and schools. And
1: it's a safe place. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's important with, unfortunately, our youth being kind of under attack. It's important to note that it is a safe space and you are welcome there and you will be safe there. And I hate the fact that we actually have to say that, but (laughs) I think it's important. We've done a lot of work to make sure that those kids are protected. Mm -hmm. I mean, people don't realize it, but there's a lot of things that go into planning an event when you're looking at youth that we have to be very aware of, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, no, that's a fact. And I think, you know, it's really important to just stress, like, all of these large events, there's a lot of ways to get involved if big events aren't your thing. But I think it's really important to just note the value of community in these Mm -hmm. moments. When you're feeling that uncertainty, I don't know about for you, um, but for me, at least, being able to be surrounded um, by other members of my community, to hear their stories, to be able to find somebody who maybe has a shared experience or connection – can often help to kind of carry me through in those moments. And I, you know, I think about last year, you know, we had a big rally for Trans Day of Visibility at the Capitol. Mm -hmm. A couple hundred people showed up in the Capitol and it was filled with these flags and all these beautiful folks and performers and all of this. And I just remember the feeling in that Mm -hmm. building, not so much like Whatever words were said, great, fine. Right. right. (laughs) But just the feeling of energy and excitement. And we're hoping to do something for uh, Trans Day of Visibility. Um, We're going to have to figure out what it looks like this year because the legislature is on recess and it happens to be on Easter Sunday. So I know. um, Uh, I noticed that. Yeah. And it's interesting (laughs) timing. But we really hope to continue to have LGBTQ folks really visible and present at the Capitol um, showing up. Uh, For those events Mm -hmm. is really important to help just demonstrate the value of our community and, you know, our impact across the state. And we know LGBTQ folks are in every single, you know, city, town, county across this state. And so, you know, when we show up together, we have the opportunity to move things forward. Well,
2: that's one, one thing that we hear over and over from our volunteers. And when people do take that next step and get involved is You know, you're not just filling your bucket because you're doing some good work. You are making friends. You're Mm -hmm. making connections. You are, like, expanding your horizons. There's so many wonderful um, perks to getting involved and just not feeling alone, finding those friendships. It's, I mean, once you get involved, you just, it's so much easier to see the connections and to see all the other ways you can get involved. It's just that initial first following the social media, Mm -hmm. seeing an event, seeing the call for volunteering. And to your point, Kat, you said, you know, everybody has their strengths. There's ways to volunteer, whether it is writing your representatives or if you're at the festival, working at an info booth. I mean, there's so many jobs for everybody just Just putting a plug out there, whichever org.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't matter. We all need help. Yes. (laughs) Let's be Uh, real.
2: Volunteering and putting some service hours in is it's just so great for everybody.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, that brings up a good point, too. Even if you don't know, it's okay to show up. Mm -hmm. Allies, it's okay to show up. We want you there. We want to see you there. Um, Even if you have no idea what you're doing when you get there, I promise by the end you will feel loved and appreciated and... Um, home around yeah. family like I think that's that's so key and um, speaking about family you will be at Twin Cities Pride um, yeah. right around the youth area and so registering people to vote um, we'll make sure we get all that that information out on our social and our website mm-hmm. to make sure that they know where to find you um, so that if you have questions about getting registered to vote or, you know, documentation that you might have to have, right? Cat's team is phenomenal right. at making sure that people feel empowered and knowledgeable mm-hmm. as they walk into an election
2: site. Right. And speaking of knowledge and empowered. Uh, so working with the youth and you have new voters, if they are interested in finding out Who the representatives even are? What should they do?
0: Yeah, I always recommend the Minnesota Secretary of State's website for all things voting. It's the most comprehensive resource for, you know, finding who your representatives are, where you vote, like what's going to be on your ballot, what are the deadlines for early voting, for absentee ballots, for Mm -hmm. all of those things. So if you have any questions, Minnesota Secretary of State's website is Great, fantastic resource, just broadly, and up for election here in Minnesota in 2024. In addition to the presidential election and you know federal um, races, we'll have all of our Minnesota House seats up for reelection here. So while it's not every single seat in the Senate, you know those those will hold the governor will remain the governor um, but we'll have a lot of really important races across the state and so there's a lot of ways for folks to get involved there. We'll have school board races in multiple different locations so lots of really important elections and it's great for folks to get engaged now and start thinking about how can I be involved in this and you know whether that's helping to support campaigns, volunteering for things or just showing up and voting um, if you're able to then do it yeah. Absolutely.
2: We didn't even touch on school boards. Oh, man, there's just so (laughs) much. I mean, we could keep
1: that here for hours upon hours, and yet we're running out of time. So just to reiterate, if you want to donate to either org, you can go to outfront.org or tcpride.org. You can look on both websites as volunteer opportunities, donations. We cannot do this work without our community, including our allies, and I say that every 100%. single time because allies are beyond important um, for us to continue to push ahead and, and keep the conversation going and hopefully run Cat and I out of a job. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the important things to touch on with allies, too, is that LGBTQ issues touch on folks who are not LGBTQ, just like issues of bodily autonomy affect all of us, regardless of our needs, you know, around reproductive care. When we make a state that is more equitable for all, that's more inclusive for all, it's better for everyone,
1: not just LGBTQ folks. And, you know, I too, you help one minority group, you're going to help another. Like, Mm -hmm. it's that, you know. That simple. And so, yeah, I mean, gosh, it touches everyone. Don't think it doesn't because it does. Yeah. So,
2: And allies, don't be afraid to take the leap and get involved. Speaking as an ally myself, I yeah. I try. I find the more I became engaged, the more questions I asked, as stupid as some of them are. Like...
1: We still love you. Thank, thank you. No, they, but
2: <laughs> I, You know, I, and I think that there may be some hesitancy out there, but the truth is... Um, if you're coming from a good place, it will be recognized. Absolutely. And every now and then you may stick your foot in your mouth and someone's going to like, well, actually, maybe, you know, and you yeah. brush it off, you dust it off, you, you keep moving forward. Right. I mean.
1: So – not to cut you off. But no. Just oh. like that, we are so out of time. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we are. And so thank you for joining today and listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified. Thank you so much, Kat, for yes, coming thank in. Thank you, Kat. And chatting with us and Rena. And uh, we'll be back next Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. right here on AM 950 to dig- discuss year round programming at t- Twin Cities Pride and the new initiatives. So please join us next Saturday. Thank you for being with us this afternoon. Please take care of one each other, each other all year long. <laughs>